Welcome to the Sharkpreneur Podcast with Kevin Harrington and Seth Green. Kevin Harrington is the inventor of the infomercial, one of the original sharks from the hit TV show Shark Tank, and has generated over $5 billion in TV and digital direct response sales. Seth Green is the world's first trusted authority on cutting-edge direct response marketing, a best-selling author, and the only three-time Marketer of the Year nominee. On the podcast, Kevin and Seth interview sharkpreneurs who share straight talk on what it takes to explode your business. Do you want to become insanely successful? Do you want to be the go-to guru in your industry? Do you want to be talked about for all the right reasons? For over 40 years, Kevin Harrington has helped people just like you become significant influencers. Now he's broken the process down in the key person of influence roadmap, and it's yours for free. Just text KPI to him at 727-888-2100. Text KPI to 727-888-2100 right now and claim your free step-by-step guide. Text KPI to 727-888-2100 to get the recognition you deserve and experience the success as the go-to voice everyone listens to in your industry today. Welcome to the Sharkpreneur Show. This is your co-host, Seth Green. Today, I'm joined by Nathan Hirsch. Nathan is a serial entrepreneur and expert in remote hiring and e-commerce. He started his first e-commerce business out of his college dorm room and has sold over $30 million online. He is now the co-founder and CEO of FreeUp.com, a marketplace that connects businesses with pre-vetted virtual assistants, freelancers, and agencies in e-commerce, digital marketing, and so much more. (laughs) He regularly appears on leading podcasts such as Entrepreneur on Fire, Sharkpreneur, and speaks at live events about online hiring tactics. Nathan, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. And I was just thinking that now that I'm launching my new podcast called Outsourcing and Scaling, I need to get better at reading intros. I feel like you did a much better job at reading that than I did at reading your intro before. Well, I appreciate that. I think we crossed the 300 episode mark a while ago. So we've had a lot of practice. Episode 200, I'll get it, right? Yeah. Uh, it's not going to take you that long. Uh, so you started your first business in your dorm room. So tell me about the first business. Yeah. So, I mean, I was a, a broke college kid. I was looking for side money. Growing up, my, my parents were teachers. They, I wasn't poor. I wasn't rich. I was kind of middle class. And I always had the, the mentality that I was going to go to school and get a job and work for someone else. And that was going to be my life. And I mean, that's what my parents did. They're retired now. They're crushing it, traveling the world, having every adventure imaginable. And they, back when I was younger, when I was 16 or whatever legal age, you could get a job. They made me work 40 hours, 50 hours a week every wow. summer. So while my friends were outside playing, I was inside working. And I really got a glimpse into what life was like after college. And I didn't want any part of it. <laughs> so when I got to college, I started hustling. I started buying and selling people's textbooks. And I kept experimenting with different ways to, to make money. And I came across Amazon, sold some books there. This was 2008. There were no courses. There were no gurus. And I started experimenting. Hey, what other products could I sell? I tried sporting equipment and DVDs and computer games and just failed over and over and over. And it wasn't until I found baby products that my business really took off. So there I was, a 20-year-old single college guy selling baby products. Out of wait a college. second, wait a second. You said baby products, and you were a 20-year-old single college guy. So how did you discover baby products, and why, given a guy, young, single, no affinity for the niche whatsoever, 
which is normally not what we would tell people to do. We would say, go like sell something that you care about. How did you wind up in baby products? Yeah, I wish I could tell you that I just spent hours researching and, and coming up with all this back data and figured out, hey, this is the thing. But it was really just throwing stuff against the wall. I mean, I didn't know what Amazon was. I didn't definitely didn't know that the potential was to sell over $20 million. I mean, it was just, okay, I... I don't think I can sell books forever. I thought we'd all be on Kindle by now, which hasn't really happened. And I knew I was going to graduate and just kind of lose access to the textbooks anyway. So I was just like, all right, I, I know I can make money on books. That's not a long-term plan. Let's just keep trying and trying and trying. And looking back at it, I mean, if you think about it logically, the, the margin on baby products are pretty good. Parents will spend, I mean, you're a parent. How much money have you spent on baby products as your kids was growing up? And Outside of funeral homes, which I guess everyone at one point or another has to pay for, is probably second, third, fourth, fifth on that list. So that's the only rationale that I can think of. Okay, so you decided not to sell coffins on Amazon. <laughs> and you went with diapers, you know, baby products, which are ship a lot easier, a lot cheaper shipping. Um, and how did you make your baby products business successful? Yeah. So I, a lot of it was we went out on these online websites and we started the concept of drop shipping. And this was years before it was even called drop shipping. I didn't even know it was the word. I mean, there, there were no gurus teaching it. So the concept of, Hey, I'm a college kid. I have a few thousand dollars in my bank account. I don't have a warehouse and I know Amazon pretty well. I've gotten pretty good at it. And I could build relationships with these manufacturers who at that time had no idea what Amazon was. And all they were good at was building the product and shipping it out. So I said, Hey, I'll generate a new sales, a new revenue stream for you. I'll handle the customer service. You don't have to deal with it. I'm just going to tell you where to ship these products and you have my credit card, you charge it and whatever I mark it up, I make in profit. And we eventually we just started mass pitching all these manufacturers to the point where we worked with over 200, 250 of them. Um, and the business really grew from there. That is absolutely incredible. That talks about how you got product, how you fulfilled um, via drop shipping. How'd you market? Yeah, I mean, there was no real Amazon marketing back then. I mean, we only sold on Amazon. We didn't have our own website. All this pay-per-click on Amazon did not exist. Um, it, it was really just about finding that quality product. And then when you found that quality product, two to five competitors that were doing the same thing. So you'd check every day and you'd go in and try to lower the price and be a few cents less than the other person. And for the first two years, we didn't even have a repricing software. I would actually hire a college kid, my business partner, Connor, that was his first job for me. He would go through and manually change all these prices to try to maximize the sales. And Amazon took care of the rest. I mean, that's what we paid them the 15% the for to, to market the products. Awesome. And then how did you, when did every business owner hits a few bumps in the road? Talk to me about the mistakes you made that led you to where you are now. Sure. So I, I have to start paying taxes, right? I'm making more money than, than I ever had in my life. I meet with an accountant and the first thing he asked me is, when are you going to hire your first person? And I kind of shrug that off. Like, why would I do that? That's money out of my pocket. They're going to steal my ideas. They're not going to do as good job as me. I have to train them. Classic excuses. And he laughed in my face and said, you're going to learn this lesson on your own. Well, sure enough, my first busy season comes around. I don't know what busy season is. And I just get destroyed. I'm doing it all myself. I'm working 20 hours a day. My social life plummets. My grades go down. And I fight to make it through to the other end because I'm a workaholic. And somehow I make it through to January. And I think, man, I, I can never let that happen again. So what do I do? I, I throw a job on Facebook. <laughs> that was my avenue. I posted a job and 
I had this guy in my business law class who, who shot me a message, said, hey, I'm looking for work. I have no idea what you do, but I need a job. Barely interviewed him. His name's Connor, my business partner, and it worked out great. He learned fast. He was passionate about it. Um, he made my job easier. So I'm thinking, man, this is so easy. Whenever you need to hire, you just throw a job on Facebook. People show up. Your job gets easier. You make more money. Life's good. And I proceed to just make bad hire after bad hire after bad hire. And that's really when I learned the lesson of, I mean, how hard hiring is. Hiring college kids, super unreliable. And no 30-year-old wanted to work for me. I didn't really know what I was doing. And so I got thrown into that remote hiring, the Upworks, the Fivers, and and that's kind of when I saw that that need of there's no faster way to do this. So all of my time went from expanding my business to just going through applicants. And I just kept looking for a better, better way until I came up with the, the concept of free up. So for our folks who don't know, what is the concept of free up? So we get thousands of applicants every week, virtual assistants, freelancers, agencies from all over the world. We vet them, take the top 1%, let them in. Our clients get fast access to them. Whenever they need them, we fill requests within a business day, usually faster. On the back end, 24-7 support in case they have even the smallest issue and a no turnover guarantee. If someone quits in the middle of a project, we cover replacement costs and get them a new person right away. So that's really what we're all about, the pre-vetting, the speed, the customer service, and the protection. Which is everything that's missing from Upwork, FreeUp, and all that other stuff. So you found, so out of necessity you found a way to fill the hole that you were experiencing um, in, uh, in hiring. And then it turned, when did you get the idea that after you had started working on it for yourself, that this should be a separate company? Yeah. I mean, we kind of started it as a $5,000 side project and I'll kind of put you in the mind of where I was at. I mean, the Amazon business for the first few years, it was fun. It was exciting. It was new. We were scaling. We got to over $5 million a year at the same time. Wasn't passionate about selling baby products then. Still not passionate about selling baby products now. I, I didn't have a patent for, for any of these products. I was selling other people's products. With Amazon, as you know, you're, you're not really building a brand. You're not really growing. You're just kind of figuring out how do I make the most out of Amazon? How do I get around? How do I find every little Amazon hack? And that gets pretty exhausting after doing it for five, six, seven years. So when we started free up on the side and that started to take off pretty quickly, and all of a sudden, we're growing my brand. I'm going on podcasts, which you and I just talked about. is a great resource for, for getting clients and, and growing your authority. We're, we're helping clients, not just ourselves and, and our manufacturers. We're helping freelancers. And as soon as that surpassed our Amazon sales and our Amazon business stopped doubling every year and kind of, okay, good year, bad year, back and forth, it became a fairly easy decision to let's focus all our efforts on free up and see how far we can push this thing. That is awesome. You started it as a side hustle for $5,000. And uh, are you at liberty to disclose how far you've come? Yeah, we did a million dollars in the first year, five million in the second, and nine million last year. This is the beginning of year four. That is absolutely five thousand to nine million in three years, but certainly puts you on the Inc. 500. <laughs> I forget what that application is. For some reason, you have to be in business for, I think, oh, I think it's a not. revenue over a certain amount of years or something. We like just missed it, but next year we'll apply for yeah, it. Yeah, you're definitely going to be on the list. That is awesome. So 5,000 to 9 million in three years. Absolutely incredible. What are some of the biggest mistakes you see people, business owners making when it comes to outsourcing, hiring virtual employees, all of that? Back in the day when I was hiring people, I was like, all right, this is hard. I, I'm tough to, to like train a lot of different people. So, so let's find one person that can just do everything. And I called him my, my manager of the day. And 
I loaded him up for, for six months. I taught him emails and, and um, listing prices and listing it and changing prices. I mentioned we didn't have software for that and just every single part of the business. And at the end of it, I, I was in a great place. I mean, I could sleep better at night. The, the business could run without me. And and I kind of did, this is back in year one and two, I did the same thing on, on the supplier side. I found this really good supplier that I, I just was so good at selling their products. And I had some other ones, but it just took a lot more effort. So there I was with one person running 95% of the business, one supplier running 95% of the business. And I decided, all right, business is in good shape. Let's go on vacation. So I head to Myrtle Beach, and I'll, I'll probably never go back there. <laughs> on the first day of my vacation, my manufacturer calls and says they no longer want to work with me. My manager of the day calls and says he doesn't, he can't work for me anymore. He's quitting. And then just to top it off, I get a call from my accountant saying that someone filed a $40,000 tax return in my name and, and, fi- and stole my identity. So I went from this, boom, I'm 20, 21, crushing it to let's start all over again from scratch. And I learned a very, very valuable lesson about diversification and not putting all your eggs in one basket. Yes, Dan Kennedy, our, our fellow mentor, would say the loneliest number in any business is one. I, too, have hired someone, a lot of people trying to make them all, them each do everything before seeing the light. So I share your pain there. Thankfully, the only identity theft I've ever encountered is someone stole my identity on eBay and was able to survive that. So, all right, so you learned that lesson the hard way. What are some of the biggest mistakes that you see business owners making other than trying to hire one person to do everything. I know you've got a series of them. Yeah, I think one of the biggest things is not starting that feedback loop early on. Let's say you hire someone to build a 15-page website. Well, someone goes in, they say, hey, show me when you're done with 15 pages, and then we'll talk. And then they realize that this person had gone this way, and they were expecting this way, and then you start over again, you miss deadlines, people get upset. And a much better way to go about it is, okay, build one page, then let me give you feedback. And then you can show me that you can tweak and adjust and and make changes to that feedback. Because I mean, these are freelancers and every client has a different idea of what's good and what's bad for, for all you know, this person could have 20, their past 20 clients wanted it done one way and, and you wanted it done the other. So starting that feedback early and often is key and, and giving people a chance to really adapt to your style. I think a lot of people, especially when you get into that creative hires where the, the writers the graphic designers the video editors the web developers they don't realize that it, it takes a little bit to just get on the same page and the earlier that you start that feedback process the better absolutely that makes total sense i've i've had team members who hated doing things over again i i have made the mistake of not checking until much later in the project and then only realizing sorry you got to go back and do it again um that makes total sense i resemble that remark um what's next I think, so hiring the cheapest, and you always hear that, that expression, you get what you pay for, which it's kind of true, but there are certain things that, that I'll go cheap on. And part of it, let's say, are lead generation. And the reason for that is I'm not making some huge investment. It takes me less than an hour. We have documents for it. I'm not going to pay someone top dollar for it because it's a fairly easy process. And the difference between someone who's great and the difference between someone who's not great really isn't that much. But there's very few roles in your business that really fit that criteria. And when you just hire cheap and you're always looking to lowball, it, it tends to backfire. And I always relate this to my, my friend who's an accountant who I was just visiting in San Diego when we were at Traffic and Conversion. 
he wanted a $5,000 raise and his company said, no, I'm not giving it to you. So what did he do? He went out and found another job and that paid him what he felt like he was worth. And that company definitely spent a lot more than $5,000 to replace him. And it goes no matter where you are in the hiring process. If, if you, someone wants 20 bucks an hour and you say, hey, I'll offer you 15, they might take 15 because they need a job right then and there, but they feel like they're worth 20. And the second they feel like they're worth, they get a job offer for 20, they're out the door. So if your budget is X, find someone who's willing to work at X. And that, that is such a lesson that I learned. Um, just trying to get that best deal as an entrepreneur. We're all kind of programmed to do that. It really doesn't work when you're hiring people and just lowballing people or, or just hiring the, the cheap of the cheap. That makes sense. It's almost, you almost, in that example, want to hire someone who was, who they're, what they wanted was less than your budget. Right. So if you give them your budget, now they're really grateful as opposed to someone who's resentfully working for less than what they think. Yeah. And, and the smart entrepreneurs do that. They, they, they don't try to push their budget. If they figure out what their budget is, they try to hire someone here so that they have room to give bonuses. They have room for growth. When, when you hire people and that's the max that you can afford, what are you going to do when they come to you and say, hey, I, I think my values improved. I think I learned a new skill set. I think this is what I should be paid. You, people struggle with that. Absolutely. You are on a roll yourself. Keep going. So I like to say there's three levels of freelancers that you can hire. You got basic, mid, and expert. So basic level freelancers, five to 10 bucks an hour, non-US, they're followers. They might have user experience, but they're there to follow your systems, your processes, customer service, data entry, Excel work. I mean, the way that you do customer service is not going to be the same way that I do customer service. So they're really there to follow your process. Mid-level people, specialists, graphic designers, bookkeepers, writers, they're there to do that task at a very high level. You're not teaching a graphic designer how to do graphic design, but they're not consulting with you either. They're doers. And what a lot of people struggle in here is they're trying to either teach or they're trying to get advice when really they're there to do and they're trying to get those projects done. And then you got the experts, the 20 and up, the high-level freelancers, consultants, agencies, they bring their own strategy, their own expertise to the table. They can execute high-level game plans. They can project manage. They have years of experience. So a big mistake, and this is probably the biggest mistake, is people just hiring the wrong levels here. They'll go to a basic level person and say, I don't know how to run Facebook ads. Go run my Facebook ads. Or they'll go to an expert who really should be using their own strategy. And this person has had a lot of success doing their strategy and they say, hey, I have a strategy. I want you to implement this. And that's where that clashing starts. Or they go to that mid-level, like I said before, and they're looking for strategy or they're looking for a follower. And keep in mind, these are real people. They don't always fit into perfect levels, but you should know whether you're looking for that follower, that doer, or that expert. Awesome. Follower, doer, expert. Uh, um, I, I got plenty of notes. Um, what else do you want? Uh, can you share with us about the hiring, the online hiring process? Because obviously, how many virtual assistants, virtual employees has FreeUp contracted with over your three years? Yeah, so we don't offer employees. We have virtual assistants, freelancers, and agencies. We've got about two thousand on the platform right now. And that was two thousand, and you said that was the top one percent. So does that mean two hundred thousand have come through and failed? Yeah, I forget. We had, I had a Facebook post on this this morning of how many applicants we've gotten so far this year. I'll have to look it up, but it was a lot. 
It was we a lot. Out, All we right. Sell 4,000 applicants a week to get on our platform. Wow. That's incredible. What is your vetting process? So we vet people for skill, attitude, and communication. And this is one of those things that it, it falls into the mistake because back in the day, I used to only hire people for skill. I'd find someone with a great resume. Maybe they have five-star reviews on these different platforms and they got some references. And a month later, I was like, wow, that sucked. That was an awful hire. But how could that happen when this person was so talented? And we realized that skill is just one part of the equation. And the other part is the attitude and the communication. So with skill, we look for people who, they don't have to be a 10 out of 10. They could be an eight or a seven or a three when it comes to skill, but they have to be honest about what they can and cannot do. And they have to be priced accordingly. And we put people through different skill tests. If they're a graphic designer, we look at their portfolio. If they're saying they're an Amazon expert, we have Amazon questions. And we, before we add a new skill test to our platform, we make sure that we have skill tests in place to vet the different levels in that particular skill set. For attitude, we want people who are passionate about what they do. If, if I hate bookkeeping and I'm hiring a bookkeeper, they need to love bookkeeping. As much as I love being an entrepreneur, we want people who can take feedback. That, that's one of my biggest pet peeves when, when people take feedback personally. People who don't get aggressive the second that, that something doesn't go their way. I always say that, that not every client is, is rainbows and butterflies. There's going to be some clashing. And if you can't handle it in a professional way, not 80% of the time, not 90% of the time, but 100% of the time, I mean, you're in a service-based business. You don't, if you yell at the person at McDonald's, they shouldn't yell back at you. That's just kind of how life works. And, and the flip side is the communication, the we have 15 pages of communication best practices that they have to memorize and get tested on. Stuff like responding within a business day, um, making sure they, they get on the same page right from the beginning, obviously speaking English at, at a high language, hitting deadlines, how to handle emergencies, stuff like that. So it's really that full combination of skill, attitude, and communication. And you've hired a lot of people. It, it's very rare that you get to the end and you're like, wow, that person had the exact skill set that they said they did. Their communication was great, best attitude, but they were a terrible hire. That, that very rarely happens. Yes, everyone who I have said all those wonderful things about is still working for us. Exactly. All right, so what, where is the best, where do business owners go who want to learn more about your process? How do they take advantage of what you have to offer? Yeah, so go to freeup.com with three E's, create a free account. Um, we'd love to have you mention this Facebook Live. If you're creating a new account, get a $25 credit. Um, if you're live streaming in our Facebook group, obviously you're already there, but if you're outside our group, join our Facebook group, Outsourcing Masters. And definitely check out the FreeUp YouTube channel and the, the FreeUp blog. We're actually launching a new show that will be a podcast called Outsourcing and Scaling with Nathan Hirsch. So definitely check that out. Awesome. Anything else you want to share? I know your time is incredibly valuable. Anything else you want to share before we uh, let you go back to what you're doing? <laughs> no, I appreciate it. This was a lot of fun. And I know we just saw each other last week and we see each other again. Let's stay in touch. All right. This has been Seth Green of Sharkpreneur with Nathan Hirsch of freeup.com. Again, go check out freeup.com. Make sure when you create your account, you mention us. You mention this Facebook Live, get $25 credit, which could, depending on the employee, buy you four or five hours of their time. Uh, thank you for watching and listening. Do you need money to fund your idea, product, or service? Are you ready to take your business to the next level but need capital to get it done? Kevin Harrington has heard more than 50,000 pitches and knows how to help you make the perfect pitch to get the funding for your entrepreneurial dream. He's distilled the process down in his perfect pitch cheat sheet, and it's yours for free. Just text PITCH 
to him right now at 727-888-2100. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 right now and claim your free perfect pitch cheat sheet. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 to start funding your dream today. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.